a update and analysis on this year's fight for clean water, successes and failures in the first year of the Coastal Community Network, where do we go from here, and announcing a new call to action, all this week on The Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is The Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, and welcome to the 187th episode of The Real Guy Podcast. The podcast for real guys, by real guys. Keeping it real for people who love their coastal communities. This will be the last podcast uh, in 2021. We banged out 52 podcasts for the year, and um, I was pretty happy with that. We got a little bit better than one podcast per week for you. And the ratings and reviews by the hundreds and i just want to say thank you because we have developed a 4.9 rating on apple Podcasts, which is uh, kind of a big deal and that's exactly where we want to be so thanks for all you guys that gave us a great review and gave us a five-star rating we really appreciate that not only did i want to say thanks i just wanted to say happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah or whatever you celebrate this time of year we're really excited for uh, 2022 we're going to be taking on advertisers this year. Um, we started off with doing ads, but I decided to take the ads off for a while. And in 2022, we'll be running more ads. But one of my new calls to action is I'm going to take all ad revenue and spend it on promoting the narrative on what we can do to clean up the water. I thought I might, you know, donate it to certain foundations, but I decided not to for a number of reasons. So my father introduced me to the Billfish Foundation when I was just a kid. I mean, I was in third or fourth grade when I learned about it, and he used to raise a lot of money for the Billfish Foundation. And him and a bunch of old farts um, really spent a lot of time and energy um, raising money for the Billfish Foundation. And then you had CCA which was a big thing in the old days because gill netting and things like that. But I noticed anybody that ever dealt with from the CCA, for the most part, were a bunch of old farts. And it'll always be old farts as long as the foundations are set up the way they are, which run on donations. Because older people are the ones that will donate an extremely generous amount of money in order to make these foundations work. And that's always been the model. And that model, I think, worked back in the 80s and then the 90s, but it's so outdated today that these foundations are set up to fail immediately simply because they have not targeted the demographic that's actually going to get into motion and make things work. And what I mean by that is we need way bigger numbers. We need to go after the majority of the people instead of um, special interest people, like for me. My audience is fishermen, for the most part. People that love to fish listen to the Real Guy podcast, have watched my YouTube videos over the year, over the years, and it was all about fishing. And fishermen um, are split into way too many 
groups and foundations. What I mean by that is some are part of the CCA, some are part of Captains for Clean Waters, some are part of the Everglades Foundation, and we go on and on and on about all the different foundations that run on donations that are full of a bunch of old farts for the most part. Now, you do see a break in the old fartness when it comes to um, some of the environmentalists because it's university-based. Like, for instance, when I did the podcast with Rachel Silverstein from the Miami um, Waterkeepers, you know, she was very involved with the university down there. Same with the people from the Bonefish Tarpon Trust people. The young people are involved with the university down there. But the university works a lot like the foundation's work, where they're looking for donations from old farts. And I really think this is a thing of the past. I think it's a mistake. And until this changes, I think that we will constantly be part of these foundations, watching them fail. And... You can define failure in a lot of different ways, but I just want to be very general about failure with environmental foundations. Not that they're all bad or they're all good. It's just like everything else. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. But if you look over the last 30 years, which I can recollect over the last 30 years, I'm 53 years old, the vast majority of foundations out there want the same thing but have been failing miserably and we're failing because every year there's less and less fish every year there's more and more pollution and less and less wildlife all the way around as a matter of fact it's gotten so bad where we just close down whole sections of waterways and beaches because fecal bacteria levels are so high that it's hazardous to our health so if we can't swim in it And what do you think happens to all the larvae and wildlife that is trying to recreate in these environments? We can't even swim in it because it might infect us. So it's obviously having a major impact on all the wildlife. Here in Fort Lauderdale, you can see it so obvious because of the seawalls. The seawalls used to be filled with mollusks and crustaceans. Oysters and barnacles, I mean, that was the thing. There were so many oysters and barnacles, you could, you know, rip up your cast net and the majority of places that you throw. Now you look at the seawalls and you look at the bottom. There is nothing left. There is no life. There is no oysters, no crustaceans, no little crabs, nothing. It's just dead. So if there's any confusion about success and failure... You can simply look at the seawalls here in Fort Lauderdale or go down to Southport Rawbar, have a lunch on their back patio where you're overlooking the first canal that comes in from the ocean. It's so polluted and so disgusting with sewage, plastic, anything that comes off the streets. There's like 10 drain pipes that go into the back of that canal. Sit there and have lunch. Take a good look at the water. Realize that you're one canal, your first canal from the ocean. And you look how polluted that is. So if anybody wants to argue the fact whether or not these foundations are winning or losing, they are losing and they are losing badly. And the rate of loss in the last five years is the most and the most dramatic that I've seen in my life. And I've been paying attention to it for about 30 years. So you may ask, why 
is Captain Jeff bringing this up. The reason I'm bringing it up is because we have to change the way we go about our efforts to save our ocean or our waterways or the environment. And what I mean by that, if a bunch of old farts have been doing this for decades and decades and it's failing, then maybe we ought to change. I think that the younger generation, I think that the millennials are the ones that have the power. For instance, if you rather talk to somebody on the phone than text, message, TikTok, whatever these kids are into, then you're probably an old fart and the way you do things is way in the past. I also think that it's going to take a long concerted effort in order to get any changes done. Now, how do we change this? Well, I think the important thing for people to understand is you have two things out there. You have PR, which is basically a message that people spend a ton of money on to make themselves look righteous in order to make things happen. And the Tortuga Fest here in Fort Lauderdale is your perfect example. Now, I'm not saying that the people that are involved in Tortuga Fest are not into the ocean or the environment or clean water. What I can tell you is my wife spent three days there. Most of the people here in town thought it was a huge event, spent big money, and spent three days of their life to be at Tortuga Fest because all the cool singers were there. Um, it's kind of like the thing to do. It's on the beach. But Tortuga Fest PR campaign was all about saving the ocean and clean water and that type of thing. Although they didn't educate any of the fans that showed up for Tortuga Fest on what they can do to help, they just used the opportunity to use it as PR. They didn't educate anybody while they were there. They didn't ask anybody to have a call of action while they were there. But they wanted to get that warm, fuzzy feeling of being conservationist. And it's great PR. I'll give you another example of the PR is you take Jimmy Buffett. Now, I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan. I like Jimmy Buffett tunes and all that. Well, Jimmy Buffett endorses these resorts called Mar Margaritaville. And there's one down here on um, Hollywood Beach. And when you look at Margaritaville, it's just a concrete monstrosity that totally changes the profile of Hollywood Beach. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's a far fetch from Jimmy having his ass in the sand and drinking cold beers. It's like a million tons of concrete and you get your margarita that's 20 bucks. And to top it all off, Margaritaville on Hollywood Beach is one side's on the ocean, the other side's on the intercoastal. Right in front of them in the ocean, there's a sewage pipe that has been dumping into the ocean for years called treated sewage that just happened to kill all the reef out there. Margaritaville sits right in front of that. And then on the backside of it, it sits in one of the most polluted areas of the intercoastal, the entire country. Hollywood Beach Intercoastal is disgusting. 
But Margaritaville sitting right on it doesn't say two words. And that's the difference between PR message and a real message that's going out there. And I find a lot of the companies out there that say that they're into the environment, they're into the PR part of the environment. And that's got to change. So because of examples like this, last year, after the record-breaking sewage spills that happened here in Broward County, I started a, co a company called the Coastal Community Network. Now, Coastal Community Network has been around for a little over a year. We've had some really successful things with the Coastal Community Network, and we've had some things that have failed miserably. And after being into it for 12 months and studying it and trying to figure out what's the best direction to go in, I feel better about the next 12 months and what I learned from the last 12 months with the Coastal Community Network. First of all, I'd like to thank everybody that joined the Coastal Community Network. We have a group of subscription-based members that pay $9 a month to be in the Coastal Community Network. And um, I just wanted to you know, give them kudos and thanks for being part of it. And let me tell you what really didn't work in the last 12 months. When we started the Coastal Community Network, we were going to create content that addressed the environmental issues. And as we started creating the content, it was extremely time-consuming, extremely expensive, and then it duplicated what a lot of the other foundations already created. Now, we needed some stuff for the original website, which is a full comprehensive site that works really well, but um, producing content, because it's so expensive and time-consuming, and it's pretty much what everybody else is producing, is not something the Coastal Community Network um, we'll be doing in the future. I mean, there's no need to duplicate the same content. <clears throat> and the podcasts are a great example of that because I started interviewing all sorts of different doctors and people that were experts in the field um, to tell us the science about what's killing our environment. And it's basically the same story over and over and over again. And we are spending a, a ton of dough on recreating stuff that we already know, and then we're calling it science because a new person, doctor, or foundation, or whoever is doing the research that has already been done, for the most part, over and over and over again. The other thing that was pretty much of a failure was we thought that if we reached out to people and told people the problem about the fisheries and the environment, that they would be eager to pay $10 a month. And that didn't really hold true. I thought it was going to be a flat lay down. I thought people would just join, give the 10 bucks a month, and then we would use it basically to educate people on what they can do to help with the process of cleaning up the waterways and rehabilitating the waterways and rectifying a lot of the problems, which then brought us into decision-making process of, okay, do we spend time and money on getting more people, which I find the CCN falling into the same trap as everybody else, duplicating the same efforts of now recruiting people and spending a ton of time and energy on recruiting people instead of a ton of time and energy on rectifying the problems. So it became very clear to me very fast how you can set yourself up to fail because you start spending your time and energy and money on everything else but 
the actual calls to, to action that could make a difference. And then again, you're duplicating the efforts that all the other foundations are already trying to do. So immediately, I quit doing that and made the executive decision not to duplicate the same efforts that all the other foundations are trying to do. So the conclusion that I came up with is all these foundations and nonprofits are spending the money on recruiting the people that are interested in the environment. Most of them are a bunch of old farts, like I was saying to you, but that's good because now I don't have to do that. They've already done that work. What do I need to do now is to educate those people the best I can and to get those people united to make a call to action that might actually do something. And speaking of things that did something last year, the protest that we did here in Fort Lauderdale, we had over 100 boats in the protest, and we had probably three or 400 people on land at the protest, was extremely effective. Extremely effective. We got on the news. We got the attention of some foundations out there. We got the attentions of the local governments out there. And then because it was election year, a lot of them ran with pictures of them on boats and how they were going to make this huge effort to clean up the waterways. So the protest was extremely successful. So we're going to plan on doing more protests. As a matter of fact, an ongoing protest that never quits, I think, is probably the way to protest for clean water and to demonstrate ways and to educate people on how we can get this stuff done. But what we have to realize is that it's going to take unity to deliver the message. And what I mean by unity, it's going to take all the foundations and all the special interest groups to speak together as one, to share the same message. And the message is so clear, but a little bit hard to define. And when we did the protest here in Fort Lauderdale, there's two things that we really wanted. We wanted the local government here to take the pollution and sewage issues seriously and make it a priority. And the second thing we wanted to do is we wanted to hold people accountable. You see, priority and accountability go together. Let me give you an example here in the city of Fort Lauderdale. So we met with all sorts of, well, all sorts of, we met with the commissioners, um, three commissioners and the mayor about solutions on what it would take to rehabilitate the waterways after the record sewage spills here. And at the time, you know, we wanted priority and accountability from these people. We wanted to know what they were going to do, give them some solutions on what we thought could work, and then hold them accountable for it. Well, this process has begun. Unfortunately, election years only happen every four years, so these commissioners and the mayors here um, won't really, you know, feel any of the accountability until the next election. But when the next election comes up, we're going to talk about what the city here in Fort Lauderdale has done and what the commissioners here have done and what they didn't do. And then we're going to spread that word across the whole county. And hopefully people will get the message on who... It, the leaders are in the community that are actually making good decisions or are just snowing you. Now, they took pictures on people's boats, and it wasn't just here in Fort Lauderdale. It was Dade County, Palm Beach County, and all across the state. These commissioners, 
these mayors, these representatives, they all ran on water. They were all talking about how they're going to clean up the water. Well, then COVID came, and I haven't heard a damn thing from one of them since. So would you call that priority? And this is the beginning of the reckoning, the beginning of holding them accountable. I wish you could have an election year every single year because if 12 months goes by and you haven't done a damn thing, then you should be out. It happens that way in the real world. It just doesn't happen that way in government. Unfortunately, we're forced to deal with government. Part of the process. Priority and accountability. And the accountability part of it is left up to us. We need to, one, spend enough time, energy, educate ourselves so we could say to our local leaders, you have succeeded or you have failed or you gave it a good effort. But most of us don't know. Which brings me to some of the things that the Coastal Community Network produced that actually worked and worked really well, like the podcast. The podcast overwhelmingly was the best way to deliver the message because the podcast is different. It's long-form media. So when you listen to a podcast, you can actually digest the information and actually learn something from it and then be productive with it. So the podcast has been absolutely phenomenal because there's so many examples and guests that you can have to talk about the issues that can make you come up with a reasonable solution. So the podcasts are gold. And we're going to count that as a huge success. Through all the podcasts, our audience has now been educated. And not every single podcast is on the environment, but all the podcasts have something to do with the environment. And when you listen to the podcast, as you educate yourself, now you know what the issues are and you know how to explain it to people. Like it was the hardest thing for me to explain to somebody what the challenges were with the waterways here in Florida. When I first started doing all this, it was, you know, hard for me to regurgitate it. And now it's so easy. I mean, there's three things that we have to worry about and that are always going to be the problem. And this is how I can now explain it to somebody after two or three years of actually practicing the message. Here in Fort Lauderdale, we're a victim of all three parts of the destruction. One, the sewage system here is in shambles because it was put in in the 70s and hasn't been updated. Two, the water management system, system here is completely killing almost everything. One day the water in the new river is completely salty. The other day it's completely fresh and it can go and swing from these huge levels because of water management, which is how Captains for Clean Waters has gained so much traction is because they understand the flow of the water and they're getting legislation done to change the flow of the water. And thirdly is the drain runoff. In these metropolitan areas, drain runoff is the number one source of pollution and contaminants that get into the intercoastal waterway. I mean, the whole drain system is designed to dump into the intercoastal waterway. So now we know the problems. And now we know what all these foundations are supposedly trying to fix. More importantly, we know to ask our city leadership and what they've done in the last election term. Which part of these problems have you fixed? Holding them accountable. Now that's the power of the podcast. The podcast can make you think differently, can make you act differently, can make you do a call to action differently. Where a lot of the other forms of media just can't accomplish that. So the podcast has been a major success. 
So going forward, we're going to do the things that have been successful. One of the things that we found out to be successful beside the podcast is instead of creating more content, it's promoting the content that's already out there. Like I could care less if it's Captains for Clean Waters, if it's the American Water Security Project, if it's the CCA. I don't care who made the content. If they're delivering the message, I'm willing to promote that. You see, we spend in far too much time and energy recreating the same message. And one of the biggest issues people have with giving money to different foundations is the administrative cost. Like if I give 10 bucks a month to a foundation and eight of that $10 or five of that $10 goes to administration fees, that frustrates people. And a lot of the foundations are set up that way. At the Coastal Community Network, we can guarantee that basically 100% of the money that you donate or that you put into the system will get regurgitated in a way where there is zero administration fees. You see, if I take your money to promote content that Captains for Clean Waters made, it's a lot less expensive than having the Coastal Community Network make basically the same type of content and then try to put it out there. So what we've done is we've created ad budgets for Instagram, Facebook, and Google. And the money that comes into the Coastal Community Network, we simply buy ads and promotions on these platforms so people can get the message. And that, my friends, I think is going to be the key going forward. It's not the science. We know what has to be done. It's the narrative. And what I mean by the narrative is that it needs to be on the table 24-7, 365 days a year. I mean, take a look at the Black Lives, Ladder, uh, Black Lives Matter narrative that went on in the last, I don't know, decade or so. You know, all these narratives about race, all these narratives about equity and all this kind of crap. Well, how about a narrative about keeping the fucking water clean? That has to be the narrative. And in order to create that narrative, it's going to take thousands of people across the state of Florida or other coastal communities, Texas to Maine, for that matter. And we have to demand that our local officials, our local media companies, our local news pays attention to the water quality issues and keeps it on the table and holds people accountable. For instance... Here in Fort Lauderdale, where they had this, they had a, they, they had a choice. They, they had a $2 million fine, or they could pay $3 million as long as they rehabilitated the waterways, which they so badly abused. So when these sewage spills were happening here in Fort Lauderdale, bigger sewage spills ever recorded, yeah, the local media covered it a little bit. I can't remember how many news channels I got on but because I was up to date on the catastrophe that was happening, the news coverage constantly had me on. I mean, local news, Channel 7, Channel 4, Channel 10, some national news. We even got on some national networks. But since then, none of these networks, none of the media has dug into where the $3 million went that Fort Lauderdale was supposedly going to spend on rehabilitating the waters that they destroyed. Not one story on that. 
and it's extremely hard to find out where the money went. And that's what I mean by the media holding people accountable. I also think the foundations should look into that kind of stuff and hold these local officials accountable. And it happens locally, in cities, it happens in county, it happens in the state, it happens federally. And most of the information is brushed underneath the rug. No one really pays attention to it. And that's a shame because that has to be the narrative. That has to be the story. And unless we the people put pressure on the media companies and our governments in order to make it priority and then hold these people accountable, nothing's ever going to happen. That's why I love the podcast form of media so much. You listen to a podcast and you can use that information to educate yourself and to be productive. But to go back to the Coastal Community Network, almost all the money that we take in goes towards the cause. And we're going to change some things. We're going to do more Facebook, Instagram, and Google campaigns. And we're going to do more podcasts, and we're going to promote the piss out of them. In order to start the snowball of the narrative that we need. The narrative that we need all across our coasts is for the government to get their head out of their asses and actually do something. And that's another big mistake that a lot of us make is we think that the government knows what to do. They don't. It's going to take individuals, guys like John Lewis and the Clean Waters program with that protein skimmer. There's another guy that has an apparatus called a water goat. There's another guy that has a smaller skimmer that could work. Planting mangroves is a huge thing. Like, I believe planting mangroves in the Tri-County area of Florida is a no-brainer. And the reason I like mangroves so much is because I would say 98% of all mangroves that used to line the waterways in the Tri-County area are now gone. But our rules and regulations about mangroves are the same as the rest of the state, even though we're in a totally different situation. We're in a situation where we need to plant mangroves any place we can because there's none left. And anytime you see mangroves, you see wildlife. You see birds. You see fish. And the mangroves help make the water better. And the most beautiful thing about mangroves is we don't need government to make them work. All we need to do is be allowed to plant them in areas that make sense. Once you plant those mangroves, nobody has to maintain those things. They're resilient. They can grow right in the polluted water that we now have. Like, we can't introduce things like oysters and clams and stuff back into the waters here in a lot of the state. Because the water's so friggin' polluted that it won't support the life. Mangroves are extremely strong and can live in the nastiest water. I mean, take a look down there in Aventura where they've been dumping sewage in the water for decades. Biggest mangroves in the world are right there in the Alita River. Maybe they're so big is because they can friggin' live off that sewage crap that gets in the water all the time. But regardless, planting mangroves in the Tri-County area is a no-brainer and will immediately help the waterway rehabilitate itself. And if nothing else, give us a little bit of 
life back in the waterway between Miami and Palm Beach counties. But that needs to be the narrative. People need to understand the solutions and then push those solutions on the government. Because the government, if you haven't noticed, let's just say that most of the people working there are not the sharpest tax in the box. They're not the best tools in the toolbox. So we have to come up with solutions, make it the narrative, and then push it on the governments. After we push it on the governments, then we need to sit back and say, why didn't you do it? Well, why, why didn't you do it? What was the big priority? What was the thing that you had to spend the money and energy on? And then we ask our leaders, what was the priority? I mean, if this isn't the priority to bring life back to the water and to make water where it's swimmable here in the state of Florida, what priority is bigger than that? You tell me. Because that's the fundamental growth in the state of Florida and most coastal communities. People come to coastal communities because they want to enjoy the water. They want to be around the water. So it should be a priority, but it's not. And it never is. And if you want to know what priority is with the government, take a good look around. It's about development. It's about building more. Here in the state of Florida, it's absolutely out of control. Over 400,000 people are moving here a year. And what are we building? We're building skyscrapers to house them. We're not building infrastructure to make sure that we can support these people. We just keep plugging into the old infrastructure as it dumps into the intercoastal waterways. Every municipality in the state of Florida, or in all coastal communities for that matter, should have an infrastructure check. And if you can't pass that infrastructure check, call it like a health check, then you shouldn't be able to develop. And speaking of development, how can we develop exactly like we develop like we were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s? This is 2021, going into 2022. And the big narrative in national politics is this Green New Deal, solar energy, climate change, emissions. But it's not water quality? It's not something that you can reach out, feel, touch, and experience? This narrative can take over. It has the power, it has the common sense. But we have to make it happen. And how do I think we can help that narrative? I think we can have another protest. I met with Clean Waterways, the people that do the protein skimmers last week. I also met with Bill Demler, local charter captain Ryan Palmer, <coughs> and a few others. And we were brainstorming about what actually works. And what works is demonstrations and protests, which demand accountability and priority priority and accountability however you want to put it so I think we should do a protest here in downtown Fort Lauderdale let's get the narrative back on the table 
and let's use this protest and demonstration to unite all the foundations that love the water. Whether you're into surfing or paddling or fishing or diving or spearfishing, it doesn't really matter. We all want the same things. So we unite in one giant protest. And we help build the protest together to build the narrative. And when we build the narrative, then maybe we'll see something different. And this protest needs to be different. It can't be one day out of the year it has to be ongoing never stop we do the first one in Fort Lauderdale like Lunkercon then do the second one in Tampa then maybe go to Jacksonville or Charleston or something like that Key West we take the demonstration we take the protest to all the coastal communities and it never ends the protest I call on everybody, individuals, foundations, companies, all these companies that say that they're in for clean water. Let's unite. Let's do a demonstration. Let's do something that'll carry the narrative so we don't have to sit back and watch the same old systems fail decade after decade after decade. If we don't do something different, we're not going to get different results. I've never heard anybody in the environmental world prioritize narrative. And this, I believe, is going to be the difference between failure and success. Thanks for listening to the Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, a podcast for real guys by real guys. Thanks for tuning in and run that dog.